If you have your Bibles, your electronic devices, let me invite you to turn to a group of scriptures that is very personal to me. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18 through 21. Uh, in 1994, when I was praying about coming to Pueblo and, 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 and what God had for me in, in Conroe, Texas, on the shores of exactly Lake Conroe, God gave me this promise in Isaiah chapter 43, 18 through 21. And this, this is a promise that God gave to me that would not only change the trajectory of my life, but this would be a verse that I would pray, uh, and I've prayed for the last 20-some-odd years, and that I will live out for the rest of my ministry and for the rest of my life. That God gave me a promise. And what we're simply doing here is we're living out the promise that God has birthed in our heart to birth the church. And so God has planted you. God has planted you here for a reason and to much is given, much is required. And, and what the scripture tells us is when God begins to do a new thing, when God starts to do something new, you have to pay attention to what God is doing. Because if you don't pay attention to what God is doing, you may miss what he is doing. And you don't want to get to the end of your life or you don't want to get to heaven and say, you know what, I missed it. I missed it. I missed what God was doing at Fellowship of the Rockies. All of those years I was a spectator. All of those years I never really got involved and I missed what God was doing. So the scripture says this, Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18. Here's what the scripture says. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. In other words, Fellowship of the Rockies. We can look and see what God is doing here. It is not only springing forth, we are bursting out at the seams, right? We are having trouble making room for people right now, the growth that God is bringing to Fellowship of the Rockies. And then he goes on and he says, do you not see it? Do you not perceive what God is doing? In other words, this, this is the reason I entitled this message, In Plain Sight. In other words, what he's saying, it's in plain sight what I'm doing. Do you not see it? And then he makes a promise and he says, I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the, in the desert. The wild beast will honor me, the jackals and ostriches, for I give water in the wilderness. Now listen, in the Old Testament, the word water was a, was a metaphor for divine grace. It was a metaphor for salvation, divine grace, forgiveness of sin. So he's talking about something deeper than just physical water. He's talking about spiritual water. And he goes on and he says, I will give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. That's what Fellowship of the Rockies is. We are a river of divine grace to give drink to who? To give drink to my chosen people, the people who I've formed for myself. And, and why? so that they may declare my praises. I mean, the Bible tells us a lot about the local church. It says that Jesus Christ died for our sins, but it also says that he died for the local church and that he's given us a mission. And that mission is, is to give divine grace, to give, give water to my tro chosen people, the people that I have formed for myself, so that they might declare my praises. In other words, he says, I want you to worship me. I want you to declare my praises. I want you to worship me in such a way that you tell the community, tell the world that the spirit of the living God is here. We've walked through this series together of culture shock. And what we've learned is, is the world keeps trying to push the church in, in, into the margins of society. 
to where the world is saying that the church is no longer really relevant and Jesus is no longer really relevant. And so what the world wants, the world wants to push the church into the margins to where it's insignificant, it's small, and it's, it, 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 it doesn't have much influence to a, like a little corner church that no one pays attention to. I, I never will forget when this project was first brought to us, this 50 acres of land that we ended up buying and paying cash for, Ed Fisher and I, uh, we went down to the city for a, a meeting with the city to talk about this, this project. And so we went into a meeting room, and there's probably about 30 people in this room, and it was a lot of city staff. And uh, we, we put the drawings, and we put the subdivision, Pueblo del Sol subdivision, up on the, the big screen. And we started explaining Fellowship of the Rockies, our philosophy, that we wanted to acquire this land, we want to buy this land, the subdivision, vacate out 47 lots, wanted to put a church there, and then develop the rest for income. And so I'll never forget, one of the city officials, who I will not name, uh, looked across the conference room table at me and says, hey, could I, could I give you some advice? And I said, sure. And the person went on to say, says, you know what? You obviously don't know what you're trying to attempt. This is way too large for any church to do. I, I cannot even believe you guys are even considering this. This is way too large for a, a church to do. So could, could I just give you a recommendation? There's three acres of land, not far from there. Could we, could we have you, in other words, could we push you into the margins of society? Could we push you over to there? And why don't you buy that land instead of this significant piece of land? And you know what? I didn't say this out loud, but here's what I thought. Why in the world would I allow someone not of the faith to tell me what the church should look like? I mean, why should we allow that? See, that's what's happening. The world, people not of the faith, are wanting to tell the church what the church should look like. And I'm telling you, the church is not in the margins of society. What the Scripture tells, tells us, what Acts tells us is this, is the church should be a place. The kind of church that Jesus wants to build is not just a normal church, not just a quiet church, not just a church to be ignored, but a church that declares his praises that the spirit of the living God is here. And the scripture tells us the people that we're, we're supposed to reach are people who are in need of, of water, who are in need of divine grace. And the reason we build this facility is not because we just need a, we want a bigger building. The reason we build this society, this building, is because we live in a society, we live in a culture where there's a lot of people who desperately need divine grace, who desperately need Him. And there's plenty more people that need Him, and some are your family members and your friends and your co-workers. What the Scripture tells us this is the center of everything is the Lord Jesus Christ and the church. And you and I, when we're involved in building the church, we are partnering with him. Jesus said this, Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Listen, let me tell you, theologically, the church is foundational to the world. The church is the, is the center. Fact is, the church is the center and the world is in the margins. So I want to give you three things. I want to give you three things just in plain sight that if you're, going to, if you're going to be a part of this and you're going to be a part of something larger and bigger than yourself, the first one is this. I must be willing to see. In other words, I must be willing to see. I must make that commitment. I must make that commitment through the next eight weeks. You know what? I, I'm willing. 
I'm willing to see what God is doing. Isaiah 43, 19 says, Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? Listen, let me tell you something. Before we planted Fellowship the Rockies, all we did, we traveled from, from Houston, Texas to Pueblo, Colorado, and all we did, we just, we, just, we just looked and we saw what God was doing. It's an amazing thing when we came here in, in 1994, we began just meeting with people and, and we began doing just home meetings. And person after person, and some were very emotional, some are in this service of the people that we first met, and they would look at us and say, you know what, you're not going to believe this. We have been praying for a church like this. We've been praying for a church. See, God was already lifting up and rising up and, and bringing up a remnant of people that desired a church like this. And they began to tell us stories about how they had prayed and they'd look forward to the day when God would bring a church here that would reach this community for Christ, that wouldn't be legalistic, that wouldn't turn inward and only care about themselves, that would care about the community. And so people started signing up left and right. All we did, all we did was we just looked. And we saw what God was doing. We decided just to join him. That week while we were here and we were doing a number of, of, of meetings, we had a local pastor call us and say, uh, is there any way I could meet with you guys before you leave town? And we said, sure. So, so we did lunch with him. And he said, you know what? Uh, God wants me to confirm to you guys that you're supposed to come here and plant Fellowship of the Rockies. And we said, really, why? I mean, how do you know that? And he says, about a year ago, in my quiet time, in my personal time with the Lord, God spoke to me and told me that he wanted to reach the city for Christ. And so over the next six months, I began uh, making plans and developing plans. And then at a business meeting in my church, I presented these plans to our church and said, we need to be the ones to, to reach the city for Christ. And here's what it's going to take to reach the city. And he said, you know, it was one of the most disappointing days of my life in the business meeting. The church voted me down and said, no, we don't want anybody new. Uh, we, don't, we don't want to reach the city. Uh, we're pretty happy with the, things that, the way things are. And so, no, we're not doing it. And, and the pastor looked at me and says, and you know what, you can, you can read the, the minutes of, of the meeting. But he said, I, I told our church, and it's in the minutes, I told our church at the end of that business meeting, I said, well, fine, if we don't do this, God's going to bring someone from the outside in to do this. I believe he wants to reach this city. And you now have made a decision not to be a part of that. And he says, I just want to encourage you guys. I want to pray for you guys. I know that, that you are supposed to do this. I'm telling you this principle in Isaiah. You just look and see what he's doing. And then join him as leaders. We need discernment to look and see what God is already doing in our lives and our ministry and just join him. Not using some bag of tricks. The things that we do here are just so basic. Scripture, worship, acceptance, and then transformation where lives are transformed. Uh, the prophet Habakkuk in the Old Testament was living in a culture in days much like ours. And the, the culture was getting darker and darker, and Habakkuk had some frustrations with God. And so Habakkuk chapter 1, verse, verse 1, we'll just read the stories. Here's what he said. He said, the oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw, O Lord, how long shall I cry for help, and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence, and you will not save. Why do you make me see iniquity? Why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed. I mean, this guy's depressed. You know what he's saying? I don't even know if Scripture's working anymore. I mean, Habakkuk is depressed. 
And he goes on and he says, so the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. And then all of a sudden in verse 5, God answers Habakkuk and he said this, look, just look along, among the nations, uh, the nations, the same thing that Isaiah said, just look and see. Look among the nations and see, wonder and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. I'm telling you, if, if you're going to be a believer in this generation, then you have to come to the place to where you're able to look and see what God is doing. I, I recently read an article that said that the three industries, the three groups that are growing at a rapid pace, in fact, is the most rapid pace in our culture, are, are bars, uh, bars, drugstores, and churches. And only the church has the answers. Only the church has the answers. The prophet Isaiah is just simply saying, you just look and see. In fact, is in Proverbs 28, 19, 28, 18, out of the message, here, here's what he writes. He says, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. Let me, let me tell you something. These, these principles not only work for a church, they work per, uh, personally. If you cannot see what God is doing in your life, if you cannot see what God is doing in your relationships, if you cannot see what God is doing in your school, your education, your profession, your career, if you cannot see what God is doing in your future, listen, I'm telling you, if you cannot see what God is doing in your life, you will stumble all over yourself because you'll walk through life and you really won't have any meaning, purpose, or vision in your life. That's what he's saying. And then he goes on and he says, but... When they attend to what he reveals, in other words, when they see what God is doing and they attend to what he's doing, they participate, they're a part of it. Watch this. They are most blessed. You want to live a blessed life? There it is right there. You just simply see what God is doing. And as God reveals, you just attend to what he reveals. And so all I'm asking you to do through this eight weeks, would you attend to what God reveals? Would you just simply look and see, and would you just ask him, God, what is my part? What is my part in all of this? And then would you just trust him? Listen, this is not a time for us to pull back. This is not a day for us to go into hiding and just pray, Jesus, come back quickly. Listen, let me tell you something. As your pastor, I don't want Jesus to come back quickly. Not because I want to see my grandkids kids grow up and marry and all of that other stuff. I don't want to see Jesus come back quickly because there are still a lot of people in need of divine grace. There are still a lot of people that just need to meet him. And some of those people are your friends, your family, your co-workers, the people that you work with. I'm telling you, this is not a day and a time for the church to pull back. And we're going to get this done because there is so much more for God has for us to do. And so, listen, we should not walk into some of the things of the world that has a better standard of excellence than the house of God. And this building will be excellent, but it will not be extravagant. I mean, when you look at our world and social media, everybody's branding something, right? And most people are branding themselves, and most people are trying to make a name for themselves. How much greater is, is it? that we're not trying to make a name for ourselves, but we're trying to make a name for the Lord Jesus Christ, that we are making him famous. And know that it, so the community knows that he is the answer. And so we have to look and see. And we have to come to that place to where we understand that he's worthy of all, to where we don't just give him our leftovers in life. Yeah. 
As a grandfather, I have two grandsons, Gavin and Micah. Gavin's three, Micah's two. And so I enjoy watching them play and negotiate between themselves. And, and so I'm, many times I'm sitting on the couch. They have their toys. Um, Gavin and Micah are playing. And so I watch Gavin systematically as the older brother take every toy away from Micah. To where before long, Micah's standing there, and Micah doesn't even have a toy any longer. And I don't say a word, because I'm a grandfather. That's above my pay grade. I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't have to yell at kids any longer. Those days are gone. I'm there for fun. And, <laughs> and so I just watched the whole thing go down. And so before long, Micah's over here, and there's like nothing. And Gavin's over here, and Gavin has this pile of toys. And then before long, Micah has all he can take, and Micah just starts crying. And I just sit there. And, and so in comes Brittany, my daughter. So she comes running in, and she looks at what's going on, and Micah's crying. And so Brittany looks at Gavin because she's trying to teach him to make choices. And she says, Gavin says, I need you to find a toy that Micah can play with. This is not fair. And so she talks to him about being selfish and all that other stuff. So Micah, Micah looks at her, and she says, Gavin, I need you to find a toy, and I need you to give a toy to Micah. So what do you think Micah does? You think he finds his best toy? You think he finds his favorite toy? You think he finds the toy that he'd miss the most? Absolutely not. Gavin starts going through all the toys, and he tries to find the most insignificant small toy that he can find that he won't miss, right? It may be a piece of lint. It may be a rock. It may be a dirt clod. It may be some old food in the corner, whatever. And he finds this insignificant toy that he will not miss. And he walks over to Micah and he says, here. And Micah looks at him like, what? Sometimes we do that with God. Sometimes we do that with God. Because God will just give you our leftovers. We'll give you the stuff we just won't miss. We'll give you the stuff that just absolutely cost us nothing. Now, we need you to still bless our life. But God, we're just going to give you our leftovers. We'll give you our leftover time. We'll give you our leftover talents. We'll give you our leftover gifts. We'll give you our leftover service. And we'll just call it good. I'm telling you, when we give God our leftovers, you know what his response is? Oh, if you only knew I was a center of everything, you would not give me your leftovers. You would understand if you understood that I am the center of everything. And you'd give me your best. See, later on in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 54, the prophet writes more about the local church, and he writes this, Isaiah chapter 54, verse 2. He said, enlarge the place of your tent. Let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread abroad to the right and to the left, and your offspring will possess the nations and will people the desolate cities. In other words, there's a promise. The second thing is this. If you're going to see things in plain sight, the first one is this. You need to be willing to see. The second thing is this. You need to be willing to enlarge. You need to be willing to enlarge. In other words, don't look at just what you see because you'll never see what God has for you. In other words, don't hold back. Make some room because God is telling Fellowship of the Rockies, guess what? I can no longer fit what I want to fit in your space. You're busting out at the seams. You need to, 
You need to enlarge. I mean, that's why he says in verse 2, enlarge the place of your tent. Listen, we have to make more room for him. And sometimes it's easier to talk about making more room for him physically. But he's also talking about in your heart. Because Jesus told us this, it all comes out of your heart. It all flows from your heart. And some of us, our hearts are so cluttered with our own issues and distractions and pain and suffering that we have become so consumed with ourselves that God is saying, I need more room in that heart of yours. See, we talk about moving mountains, but oftentimes the mountain that God wants to move is you. Oftentimes God wants to move the mountain of your heart. Listen, theologically, God is as big as he's ever going to get. He's not going to get any bigger and he's not going to get any smaller. And nothing we can do to make can, can make God bigger or smaller. But the way that I make him bigger in your life and the way that you make him bigger in your life is you change your perspective of him. See, most people never really trust God for anything more than their salvation. And that's why I believe so many people doubt their salvation. That's why I believe so many people settle for a lifeless, boring, dead religion. Because the only thing they've ever really trusted him for is heaven. They, they don't even know he's faithful because they never really trusted him for anything in their life. The God of this universe is made big or small in the hearts of his people. So how big is your God? That's my question. Because what you clutter your heart with will determine how much of God can fit in your heart and fit in your priorities. So we have to make some decisions. We, we have to be willing to enlarge. We have to be willing to enlarge the places of our heart because God is saying, I need more room, not only physically, but in your heart. I need you to, to increase the capacity. And we, could, we can be so confused with a whole lot of little things with the past and unresolved issues. That's why, that's why the prophet Isaiah says, forget the former things. And forget the past because so many times our heart can be so cluttered with past hurts and pains and disappointments. Or we, we focus on the imperfections of life that we miss him. And I bought a, and when I was 16 years old, I, I sold a motorcycle. I got a motorcycle license at 13. That was just nuts. And, and at 16, I, I bought a 1966 Mustang. Uh, it was in someone's backyard. That's before Mustangs were cool. Uh, it didn't run. Uh, I bought that car for $325. I towed it home. I rebuilt the engine. It had a 289 um, three-speed pony interior. I mean, it was an awesome car. And so I, I got to the place where I needed to have it painted. And I couldn't afford to have it painted. I was throwing two paper routes and everything else. And so my mom and dad, for my birthday, says, we'll get your car painted. And so they got my car painted. We picked out the color. We took it to the paint shop. Uh, they painted it. Um, we came in to, to inspect it. And so I never will forget, with my family, I walked in to, to, to see my car for the first time. And I'm telling you, it, it looked, it, was, it had been sandblasted before this. It looked horrible uh, and all this stuff. And all of a sudden, there's this painted car. And I walk up to it, and on the, on the, the roof of the car, on the side, was a paint drip to where the paint of overspray had, had run. And so I walked over there, and I'm just staring at that. And so I did not know that the painter was a burned-out Christian psychologist. And so he walks over to me, and he says, Young man, what are you looking at? 
I was kind of embarrassed, and so I'm just looking at it because I didn't want to tell him I'm upset, and so I'm looking at it. He said, and I'm just staring, he says, you're looking at that paint spot, that, that, that imperfection, right? I go, yes, sir. He goes, can I give you a word of advice, and if you would take this, this would, this would last you for a lifetime? Don't allow the imperfections of life to miss what God has for you. The imperfections of life will suck the joy out of you. He said, I used to be a counselor and I got tired of people talking back to me and not taking my advice, so I paint cars so now they can't talk. <laughs> but he said, young man, if you focus on the imperfections of life, they're always going to be there. It's going to suck the joy out of you. He said, you know what you've missed? This car has been transformed. This car is a beautiful car. And tomorrow, I'll sand that spot. I'll paint over it. You won't even know it's there. But you have allowed this imperfection to focus on that has disappointed you about this car. And God would tell us that we need to look past the imperfections of life and just see the, just see the bigness of God. God has called us to see Him instead of the imperfections. And get your eyes off of the things that distract you. Just look and see. Just look and see what He's doing in your life. Just be a, willing to attend to what he, what he reveals. And we're going to allow the call of God and the promise of God to dictate what we're going to do. The last thing, if you want to see things in plain sight, is this. I must be willing to stretch. I must be willing to see. I must be willing to enlarge. And the last thing is this. I must be willing to stretch. I mean, I don't know if, you, if you're like me. I, I hate to stretch. I mean, I love to play golf, but I hate to stretch. And I'm learning that stretching is really important to the game of, of golf because you've got to remain flexible, right? And some of you, you may have hobbies. You may run. You may lift weights. You may exercise. Uh, you may play sports. And you know that it's important of this issue of, of stretching. And I'm telling you this. In the Christian life, stretching is just as important. I looked up the definition of stretch, and here's what it says. It says, to make you stronger or longer without tearing or breaking. Man, we have learned over the history of Fellowship of the Rockies that when we planted this church, that when we stretch, it never breaks us. Listen, listen, churches will tell you all the time, just keep it small. Because if you stretch, if you get large, the church will divide, the church will split. And God says, absolutely not. I want you to stretch. I need you to stretch. Because you have a whole lot more capacity in you than you think you do. If you've never noticed, when people don't stretch, they get really tight. And sometimes, listen, to sometimes the longer you've been in church, you just quit stretching. And you ride everybody else's momentum. You ride everybody else's serving and, their and everybody else's talents and everybody else's commitment and everybody else's sacrifice and everybody else's giving. When was the last time you just stretched for him? When was the last time you just went for it and you just trusted him? There's a song that's just ministering to my wife and I right now. It's called Oceans. Uh, Hillsong does that song. And there's a line in there that just says, Trust without borders. I want that to be my life.
that my trust had no borders because he is faithful and he will provide. And God says, if you don't stretch, if you don't stretch the muscle, muscle of worship and the muscle of giving and the muscle of forgiving, then you're going to get tight. And God says we have this opportunity as a community to gather around and this opportunity to stretch. And listen, I'm not asking you to break or snap. I'm asking you to stretch, that you have more capacity in you than you think you do. Listen, fear will paralyze you. And, and sometimes you can have fear before you stretch. But, but this may mean when you stretch that you're going to have to rearrange some things. You're going to have to rearrange some priorities in life. And you're going to get, have to get out some things of your heart that just clutter your heart. Listen, a sign that you're getting old is that you're no longer flexible. And we stay flexible and follow him. Because we say, God, stretch me. Don't hold back. See, the tendency in the Christian life is, is just to keep doing what I've always done. And God says, no, you stretch, you don't hold back and just, just see what I will do. So the question is, is will you stretch? Will you go farther than you've ever gone? Will you come to the place and say, I'm not going to hold back. I'm not going to shrink back. I'm not going to pull back. I am going to stretch and see what God is going to do. What an awesome place to be when we all say, you know what? I'm all in. Karen and I, right now, we are praying seriously about our commitment. And we're going to write the largest single check that we have ever written to the church. Would you just look and see what God is doing? Would you attend to what he reveals? Man, in life, I would rather have a daring adventure than settle for old, boring, lifeless, complacent religion. I would rather have a life ongoing relationship with Jesus Christ that takes me places that I've never dreamed of, that I've never thought of, that I've never imagined, to places that I thought I would never see. I'm telling you, God is up to something in here. And the scripture says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And there may be some of you this morning who say, you know what, that's a pretty big project. You may be like the city official and say, that's a pretty big project. I think that's impossible. And you know what God says? God says, good. Because I don't need to show up for the possible, I show up for the impossible. And you're at a good place. Because there's no reason for me to show up at the possible. And it's the impossible. And so that is great. And I'll show up. So here's all I'm asking you to do through this process. Will you look and see? Will you ask God? God, what is my part? Because what he tells us, he'll show up. We'll do our part. He'll do his part. And we will celebrate and worship together on that property. And some of those names, and some of those scriptures on those rocks, you're going to see some of those people come to Christ in that building. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? Let me ask you with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, what is God saying to you as a result of this message? What, it, what, what is your next step? Maybe God's just asking you and, 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 and inviting you into a journey with Him. And maybe your commitment would be, Lord, help me to see. Help me to see what you're doing. 
Would you reveal it to me? And Lord, right now I'm making a commitment. I will attend to whatever you reveal. I'll just join you. And Lord, I'll trust you. I'll learn how to trust you with my finances, my priorities, and my life. Father, I want to live out Proverbs 28, 8. I just want to attend to what you reveal. Would you partner with us as we have an opportunity to reach this city in the outlying areas in the world for Christ? Maybe you're here this morning and you say, you know, I, I just have a prayer request. I need someone to pray for me. Well, we, we want to pray for you. We, we really do. So that in a few minutes after I pray, if you need prayer in any area of your life, it's a financial reason, a medical reason, a relational reason. Maybe you want to pray for this project. Maybe you want to pray for this building. Maybe God is leading you just to, just to respond and just say, I, I just want to pray. I just want to pray for my commitment. I, I just want to pray for what God is allowing Fellowship of the Rockies to do. Whatever God's laid on your heart, if you have a prayer request, we'd like to pray for you. So after I pray, we're going to stand. And when we stand, as you stand up, if you need prayer, would you step out, begin making your way down to the front. Father, we thank you for today. And Father, we thank you for your love and we thank you for your grace. And Father, we just thank you for the power of your word and the power of your name. And Father, we thank you for what you're doing here. Every one of us can look and see. Every one of us knows that we're not building this building hoping people will come. Father, every one of us knows this the growth, what you're doing here, is pushing us. So we thank you for that. And Father, we know you're going to provide for us everything that we need. And we can rest in this. Father, may we stretch, may we trust you like never before. And may we just stand and watch how you bless us as we follow you. Father, we just ask that people would just respond to you. People will find comfort, encouragement, and support through prayer as we minister one to another. For we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.